Blog Talk Radio. Now tuned in to the mother uh, greatest. Hey, welcome, welcome, welcome. It's Friday. Welcome to Let's Chat. I am Miss Leisha. You know I'm here with my right hand, and most of the time she is my left hand. The fabulous Miss Tony. Hey, T. Hey, Leisha girl, how you doing? Yes, it is Friday. It's been a long time coming, girl. This week seems to be just. Slow. It took forever. Ever. Like I was sitting at my desk today and I looked up. I was like, Oh my God, it's only ten o'clock. I looked up again and today even twelve yet. I was looking up at that clock every five minutes seemed like I was like, Oh my God, the day was so slow. That's how ready I am for the weekend. Oh, yes, I agree. I totally agree. And plus, by being our first week back, it just seems everything is just like squeezed in such a little space of time, but it's still dragging. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Exactly. Shout out to Texas. Shout out to Florida. Everybody in the path of those storms. Be safe. Shout out to Georgia. Everybody in those paths of those storms, please be safe. Evacuate when needed Needed to evacuate, uh, just to ensure mm-hmm. your safety and your family's safety. You know, people going to need you for something, so don't be hard-headed. They tell you to get out, just go <laughs> on, and, and, and you'll come back. Things can be replaced. Absolutely. That can be replaced, but not your life. So keep Absolutely. your uh, your 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 heads of state, mayors, governors, whoever, just heed what they're saying, and just like Lisa said, please be safe. So once again, Absolutely. welcome to Let's Chat. My name is Tony. I got my girl, Miss Alicia, the best partner in the radio business. But for those listeners that may just be joining Alicia and I that are not familiar with our platform, just to give you guys a little 
a little taste of what we do because, you know, Alicia and I can get going. It's like we just sitting here on the sofa. I don't know what Alicia got in that red cup over there, but uh, I'm just saying. <laughs> don't even let her fool y'all. You all know she's sitting up there with her wine glasses. Not wine glass, wine glasses. <laughs> But here on Let's Chat, we love celebrating life. Not just literature. We have so many different guests, and Johnny's in our, in our studio. But we just enjoy celebrating life the royal way, no matter what you may be passionate about. Our show allows everyone to interact in an intimate, fun, and friendly environment. We get to hear their passion for what it is that they do because you never know who you may be touching that baby you listening in on our show. Uh, they may be interested or they may just get interested, but we love, Lisa and I love hearing the passion for what our guests do. So we hope you guys are in, ready for this show. We got a great show, great guest lineup, and um, great topic. As always, you win some, lose some. Hmm, that can go any kind of way, Leash. But I'm going to be interested in hearing how I get interpret it. So let's see. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, a few shout-outs, though. Shout-out to Willie Moore, Jr. and his wife, Patricia Moore, Jr. I appreciate you guys. Also, shout-out to Lanika Scott. She has a new show getting ready to come out. I believe it's called The Millionaire Mama. Mhm. I think that's what it's called, The Millionaire Mama. So shout out to her. Okay. Also, make I sure if you guys have not seen, if you have not seen When Love Kills on TV One, oh. Alicia Blakely's story, make sure you check it out. Uh, we're going to have the author here on Let's Chat, Serenity Hall. She is the author of Felicia's biography. Um, it's so much, so much, so much going on. Um, hopefully, I'm trying to get Felicia on the show. So mm-hmm. I'm waiting for the powers that be to let me know if they will allow her to come on the show and just kind of talk to talk about human trafficking, relationships, um, the book, the movies, how she feels about them. Um we can't have her on very long, but I hope we get to have her on just for enough for uh, us to be able just to sit and talk with her and ask her a few questions. I'm so excited about that. Also, mm-hmm. due to the game, it is September the 8th. Make sure y'all head on out to the movie theater. Support Terry Woods. If you have not read that book, I have read the book. I love it. I love it. I love it. I think that was like my fourth Street Lit uh, series that I read. Mm-hmm. Columbus Short, Vivica A. Fox, uh, Drea Michelle, Nelson Ellis, Andre Fuller. Make sure you guys go out and support. Mm-hmm. I think I read that in my infancy, uh, Street Lit as well, Leash, and uh, and it held true to the game. It I could still kind of you know feel that story. So if you have read it and it's been a minute, make sure you go ahead and check it out. Just reread it. Just a Get yourself up to date on what you can get on the theater screen. Absolutely. And we got a hot show today. We got some fabulous guests that's coming through. We got author Imani, uh, a.k.a. Felicia Ann. She's going to be coming in here to talk about her newest uh, book that she has out. We're going to talk a little bit about that. 
you win some, you lose some. You know, whenever we get girls in the in the chat room, we get girl time. It always goes to the left and to the right. There ain't no telling where we go end up tonight. But then we got author mm-hmm. Keith Kareem Williams in the chat room. He's going to come in here, kick in the door, talk about his newest uh, releases. We're going to talk a little bit about publishing and writing and just have a good time in literature. You know that's what we do here on Let's Chat. We come to celebrate literature the royal way. Also, we have author Honeybee, not Mary B. Morrison, another author named Honeybee. She is so sweet. haven't met her, but I love her go-getter spirit. Like, she she just doesn't stop. It's like, I'm going to keep going until I get it. I'm going to keep going until I get it. I may not get it this time, but I'm going to keep going until I get it. I'm not going to give up. And I love those spirits, you know, spirits like that, especially in this industry. In this industry, you know, you have to have thick skin. You can't be Mm -hmm. timid in this industry, and you can't be scary. And so you have to have thick skin. You have to have the ability to always keep your passion and your fire lit, um, be able to step outside of the box. If you look mm-hmm. at authors, there are some authors that don't post the link at all. They don't post one link on social media except the links on their page. And that's because interaction is key. They interact. The fastest way to get word of mouth going is through interaction, talking to people, networking. Those are the prominent things of this industry that are needed. So if you are an author and you're not understanding why nobody's really checking for you right now, you've got 125 people on your page, and that's who you talk to every day. You have to get outside. Social media is only a quarter of what it's going to take for you to get to your vision. And so you have to mm-hmm. utilize every tool that you have in your arsenal. Right. That is so true. And not just for authors, least, you know, because, uh, you know, baby girl, my daughter, whenever I'm out and about, she said, Mommy, you just talk to anybody. It feels like I'm always in interview mode, but that's how you uh-huh. get to, to meet and interact with people. You know, so I'm always, she's like, oh, God, Mommy, you just talk to anybody. <laughs> But that's how you meet people. And exactly. she is so opposite of me that it's just like she'd be pulling me, but I'm like, I want to talk. I just love talking and and meeting new people. And because um, you never know where you may need them down the road and they may need you. But it's always good to interact and just talk to people and get to know them and get to know what they do, where their passions lie. Absolutely. So I'm excited to do that with our three guests tonight. And it's just, it's fun. It makes life worth living when you learn about we other really, people. Exactly. And the thing is, we really enjoy what we do. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Really enjoy what mm-hmm. we do. And like right. she says, my husband tells me the same thing. He's like, Ma, you talk to everybody. <laughs> Don't talk to strangers. You, do you know them, Ma? No. Why are you talking to them? Because they, <laughs> no, you don't know them. They could just be telling you anything. I'm like, look. But I love it. I love people's passion. I'm a sucker for passion. I really am. Mm-hmm. I love a person person that has passion. Um, that's the fire that burns within everybody. And I love it when they are they just step out on faith and they make it happen. I love second chances. There's so many authors out here that spent you know, time in jail, 20, 30 years, they get out. They have a whole second chance. Shout out to Rick Ross, the real Rick Ross, Freeway Rick Ross. 
you know, he's on his book tour. So if he's stepping into you, your city, make sure you drop in, say hello, get a book, get a sign, uh, get it signed. He's very friendly and very open. You know, I'll always say if anybody would have told me who he was today, Mm-hmm. I wouldn't mm-hmm. believe it. I was like, who, Mr. Rick? I mean, just just a second chance, and you see it on him. Right. I love it. Right. Shout out to Seth Ferranti, right. a second chance, and you see it on him. And they don't they don't take that second chance for granted, and that mm-hmm. is the best part. Right, and another one is friend to the show, Raquel Williams. You know, she tells her story everywhere she goes. And the first time I heard her story, I was amazed at where she is today, based on where mm-hmm. she came from, what she had, the trials and tribulations she has endured to get to this point. So shout out to all of those that are taking that second chance at life and making it worth their while, their family's while, and just doing what they are passionate. Because you never know that passion, Leash. A lot of them found that passion behind the wall, you know, to spend that time penning those books. And, and look where they are. Look where those books got them today. Absolutely. And shout out to my Facebook page. Y'all, I posted this question. So for those who don't know, a lot of people do know that I am writing a book. And so I was uh, stuck on a direction to go in. And so like Mm -hmm. all authors, you ask questions. So I asked this question. I asked it on the show. First, I asked it in a group um, with my sister scribes. Shout out to my sister scribes. And I said, oh, this would be a fun question just to ask on the show. So I asked it on the show last night. Y'all, I'm telling y'all, when you ask questions, you got to be careful because sometimes you're going to get the answer. And so shout out to Avery Good. She had the answer. Everybody else was like, I don't know. She had the answer, hunty. I was like, it was just a question, but apparently this happens in real life. So I put it on my Facebook page, and I want to shout out to everybody that has commented because it is going down. It is so many urns on Facebook on today. (laughs) And if you want to participate in the question and give your feedback, the question of the day is, how would your husband's pregnant mistress end up living with y'all? And for all y'all fellas, I ain't forgot about y'all. How was your pregnant wife? side piece end up living with y'all you know a lot of men there's a few men that's like well you know this is the the polynomial or uh, whatever the name is and they get into that the the, somebody was giving a whole sermon on the uh uh, open relationships but he just skipped Mm -hmm. over the the answer to what would you do or what would happen mm-hmm. if your pregnant wife's side piece moved in? How would that happen? He didn't answer that. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> he didn't have the answer. But at least last no, night when you asked that question, but when you asked that question of Avery Good, and she said when it went down, she was talking real life. So for those that may not have joined us last night, please check out those archives because Leisha asked it just in general, just to get her opinion. But she went in because she actually lived it. So make sure you hit that archive from last night's show. And we're going to have her back because uh, she had a whole lot more to share, but we just didn't have the time. So make sure you guys tune in and watch Leisha's and my page as to when she's going to be returning to Let's Chat. going to go down once again in the chat room. Yes, it's, it's really going down because we're going to have a, a relationship show. 
And she's going to be on October the 12th. That's the day of the show. It's going to be a two-hour show. Um, and we are going in. It's going. I haven't decided what the title's going to be, but it's going to be deep. We're going to be talking about some everything, y'all. We're going to have a relationship life coach on. She's going to be talking that talk uh, to us. She came on our show previously. She's going to come on our show again. I'm excited because we're about to really talk some talk on October 12th. So if y'all are tuned into the chat room, we would appreciate that. Make sure you press your ones. Make sure you sound off. Also, coming soon, I'm trying to think about different ways, different things we can do on the show. And Mm -hmm. I think we may start doing live broadcasts from our Let's Chat page. Um, during the show. We both can't do it, obviously, together because Tony's in New York and I'm in Georgia, but we can probably switch off. Um, we'll coordinate and decide, like, how we would do it, but I think that would be fun just to allow people to be able to sound off a little bit more on the show. Mm-hmm. Sounds like fun, something different. Now, you Say know what giving me these that sounds like fun, something different. But you know, when you start giving me these technical things that I have to learn, you're gonna be having to send over the manual. <laughs> <laughs> she always say I'm always giving her homework. I'm always giving her homework. <laughs> but I'm excited. I'm excited. We're gonna take a brief break, and then we're gonna come back with our first guest, uh, okay. author Imani. She is gonna kick in the chat room door and start it off. Our topic today is you win some. You lose some. We're going to hit you with a little Aaron Bebo because he wants the keys. Mind state of a hustler, your style so appealing. 
I'm looking for a trip to Bolivia if you willing The boy taking Szechuan State and take a break from the day to day We can get away on a holiday Vibing, coasting, bragging, boasting Chopping it up back to back, blunts in motion Hugging the ocean, shopping, copping, designer Baby, tell me how that sound, I want the finer things in life A1 weed, papers and pipes, and we can get it right I want the keys to Bolivia, she turning me on One line at a time, one snore and she gone Like glass jars, use the whole whiff when it's strong Roll up one whiff and I'm gone I want the keys to Bolivia, she turning me on One line at a time, one snore and she gone Like glass jars, use the whole whiff when it's strong Roll up one whiff and I'm gone You are now tuned in to the mother uh uh-uh, greatest all right, all right, all right. Yeah. We are back. We are back. Welcome to Let's Chat. If you're just tuning in, I am Miss Felicia. You know I got my right hand and most of the time my left hand, the fabulous Miss Tony. We in here talking that talk about you lose some, you win some. We got our first guest, fabulous author Imani. She is the author of A Lethal Vendetta, Sins of a Mother. Oh. Welcome. Thank you. How are you? We are good. Welcome to the chat room, girl. You already started something with that title. <laughs> <laughs> now, tell everybody a little bit about yourself, uh, your literary journey, and your work. Um. Well... I started writing when I was um, between the ages of 11 and 12. So I've been doing this for for a while, but I didn't get published until um, about three about three years ago. Um, I used this this as a child. I was uh, kind of sheltered. Um, I was homeschooled and I was raised by you know strict parents. So um, it, it was just me and my sisters most of the time, me and my two sisters most of the time, and I, I, I fell in love with books, fell in love with stories. And sometimes when I would read these books, I would imagine putting in my own scene or the way the book, book ended, I would imagine trying to put a different ending to the book. And until eventually I just said, you know what, I should create my own story. So I I that's what that's when it all started and it was it was just a way for me to escape my own reality and it still is so um, I love it it's a passion um, my latest release a lethal vendetta is is like a African American I guess uh, mystery um, basically it's about a mother who kind of just what she did is she um, cheated on her her husband with so many men and Mm -hmm. her daughters are going to pay for what she did when they get older. So basically, and I don't want to give up too much of the book, but I would say this, you know, all the guys that she slept with, you know, some of them were either married or involved with someone else, and, you know, a lot of them were cool with it, you know, get some, some, and then just move on and just, you know, just, you know, we keep it between us or whatever. But she met this psychopath, and it wasn't so easy. So let's just leave it like that. 
<laughs> and uh-huh. basically, I guess I guess you guys kind of take it from there. Wow. Well, uh, with that being said, this is Tony Imani. Thanks again for joining us. Um, where did this story come from? I mean, wh- where in the belly of the of, of Imani did this, this, this storyline come from? <laughs> well, I would say, I, okay, so I didn't know it was going to really turn into a mystery um, until, um, I don't know, like I, all I knew is I wanted something different. I wanted to write something different. And I know there are plenty and plenty of, of African-American uh, uh fiction, well, African-American mysteries out there, I just have yet to find them myself. But um, mm-hmm. I said to myself, you know what, I'm not going to, I'm not, this is not even going to be your, this is not even going to be your, your, you know, urban fiction. It's, it's, I'm going to take this, I'm, I want to take this book somewhere else, like, you know. So um, the first thing I thought about um, is that I don't know if you, um ever heard the scripture in the Bible about the sins being visited of the father being visited on the children. Okay. So I was Mm -hmm. reading that one day and that's kind of like where the idea came from. But instead of the father, I wanted it to be the mother. Ah. Yeah. So, um, and I didn't even know there was going to be an actual, um, like a serial killer killer because it's basically what it is. I didn't know it was going to be a serial killer in the book either, until, you know, mm-hmm. I just kind of like, you know, because usually, I mean, every now and again with my books, I would outline what I want to happen. But but, but with this particular one, I just kind of like went with the flow. And mm-hmm. um, and it just, it just, it just, the idea just took off. Mm-hmm. Wow. Now, Imani, this is Tony. I mean, you think, you, you got some of everything wrapped up in this story that I like. You have, you have sex, first and foremost. You have Serial killing, I love that. I, those are the type of TV shows that I love watching. And you got mm-hmm. some mystery in there. So are those the type of books that you read as a child? Are those the type of books that, that are in your library? Yeah, well, um, the type of books I read as a child was more so, well, around 12 and 13, I was already reading the romantic novels. And then you had oh. your romantic suspense novels. So I mm. loved reading books about, and I didn't, um, I like romance, but I, I, I kind of, I fell in love with the romantic suspense because I didn't want it to be just about romance and I didn't want it to be just about love in the book. I want to, I wanted mm. to see some action going on or something, you know, bad going on. That's, that was my kind of thing. And yeah, I was, I was young and, and, and I was like, you know, at the time, <laughs> you know, I'm going my mom is not listening to this show because uh, <laughs> <laughs> she she was young, ma. She didn't know. She she know, but she know now. But you know, mm-hmm. she uh, she know. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty much that's pretty much the, to the kind of uh, books I I love to read. And then you know when I as I got older and you know I started you know developing more in my writing. I realized that that's how I want my, all my novels to be. I like I like it. I like to mix it up with a lot. I like to mix it up with drama. I like to mix it up with um, a little bit of erotica, a little bit of, of 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 mystery, and you know that's that's the type of books I like to write. Mm. See, now me and I call that an author with a universal pen. That's the best part mm-hmm. about reading, um, and and being a reader. 
even street lit, people think that's the, the attraction to a street lit novel or a um, street type, gangster type novel is the, necessarily the um, the drugs or this or that. It's really the fact that you can get multiple genres in one book. You get drama, you get suspense, you get a little bit of everything, romance, erotica, mashed up in one book. And those are authors that have universal pens. You know what I'm saying? So I love an author with a universal pen. Mm-hmm. And she has now, so Imani, much in that if, book as well. If you could go back to your 16-year-old self, what are some of the things you would sit yourself down and, and kind of talk about, put your coattail on? Um, you mean the type of things, uh, what, what, what I would tell myself? Uh-huh. If you could mm-hmm. go back and sit down with your 16-year-old self, what type of things would you would you sit down and talk about? Um, I will tell myself to be um, more confident, positive, and um, don't be afraid to take risks. Um, I would tell myself don't let um, one, two, or maybe even three disappointments um, discourage you or let someone else's neg- negativity discourage you. Uh, I will keep. I will tell myself to keep pushing forward. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Honestly, mm-hmm. honestly, that's 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 like one of the major issues that I faced as a child, especially when it came to my my career, my writing career. Mhm. You know, it's in around about that age. I I was um. I had a lot of self-doubt. I didn't really believe in myself. And as a result, around about that time, I kind of like, you know, I was writing, but then I put it down. And I said, you know, but it's pointless to do this. I don't want to do this anymore. You know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So. And do you think a lot of times, especially with the younger generation, that confidence and because this is the thing, and I know we got some men on the line, so don't feel the way what I'm about to say, but I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times <laughs> because we are, I don't know if it's because we have daddy issues and our fathers aren't there, we just have that hole, you know, missing in our lives, but affirmation seems to be the thing that men do. They want to affirm you all day long. And it's like, I don't need you to tell me I'm I'm great. I already know that. What else you got? You know, but it's, it seems like it's the thing to do. And the the older ones go for the younger ones. And they just affirm away as a way to get in and be able to um, just kind of take advantage. Talk a little bit about that. Um just the state of mind a, a young girl could be in, allowing herself to be uh, placed in situations that she may not know um, what exactly she's getting into. Um, well, can you kind of rephrase it just a little bit, that question a little bit, because I'm trying to understand what, what you're saying. Being a young girl, and you said there was a lot of things that you just didn't know. And, and yeah. you would sit down and you would tell yourself specific things. But if you think about it and you look at this generation, a lot of men 
take advantage of younger girls um, because they don't know. And the way most of the time they get in is through affirmation. So when you affirm somebody, that goes a long way. But a lot of times I notice that our young girls need to be affirmed all the time. And that becomes an understanding of something missing on the inside. You understand where I'm coming from? So when you say uh, um, the younger girls have to be, they, they, they do have to be affirmed, meaning, do you mean like, you don't, you don't, you're not necessarily saying encouraged, right? Or, or No, I mean affirmed. Like encouragement and, and affirming somebody is different. Um, okay. When you affirm them, you are basically confirming what they should feel like. You see what I'm saying? You're awesome. You're great. You're this. You're that. It's like, really, nobody should have to tell you that. Those are things that you should know for yourself. But a lot of times, even older women don't know that for themselves. And so when you are someone from outside looking in affirms you, they're affirming the things that you're actually lacking. You get that? Yeah. So, um, well, Speaking from 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 experience, um, I don't know. I don't know what it was with me in particularly. Uh, all I knew is like I had parents, and I even had people adult me. Um, you 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 are awesome. You you are good. You have potential. Um, but trying to believe in it. Um, for the generation today, I do, I honestly believe that there's a reason why these younger girls, well, I don't know. I mean, I do know if they feel a certain way, if they feel, um, maybe they don't have, maybe don't have people in their life tell them that they're great, they don't have parents, they don't have a father figure or a mother figure even to tell them this. Um, I guess, where, I mean, I don't know, where do you, where does it come from? Where do you get it from? I don't know. I mean, you have to, I mean, I don't know. I think, I, I think um, it also uh, boils down to confidence, confidence in who you are confidence in your womanhood as well as you know sometimes you have that manhood and it's just a matter of being who you are and we kind of touched on this Imani we try to introduce ourselves but we we kind of touched on this last on last night's show Leisha and um it's just a matter of knowing who you are and what you're capable of doing and and not letting anyone else define you put their definition of them that they feel you are and just being your own person. And if anybody's on the line that would like to weigh in on it, just press your one and we'll bring you in the studio because we'd love to hear your opinion on that as well. So I think it's also a matter of just um, in, in, in place of confirmation or affirmation, put a little confidence in there and just be who you are and be the strongest you are that you can. Okay, so can I ask a question? Sure. Uh-huh. So- Okay, so what is um, growing up, you, let's say you don't have your parents in your life, right? 
Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And you don't really have not even a, a, a good, let's say you have kind of, kind of a bad life. You don't have, like, a good uh, adult figure or, or, or someone setting a good example for you or telling you these things. Like, where does that confidence come from? Like, what, how do you mm. get it? Like, I'm, I'm trying to, like, how do you? How do you get it if you don't have it around you? If you don't have no one to tell you these things, how do, how does it come about? I will say that as you when you're younger, it's a little bit harder, uh, honestly, to have that. As you get older, you have um, a vision for yourself. You start having a vision for yourself. You start having an idea for yourself. Um, sometimes it comes from just trial and error. And a lot of times, I'm not going to say sometimes, most of the time it comes from trial and error. People have to go through things. They have to physically experience those things to find out that this is not the way I should have went um, before they realize that they need to do something different. Um, sometimes it comes from uh, as you get older, maybe somebody invited you to church and, you know, a, a, the pastor says something, spoke something into your life. And this is my thing. When you go to church, it's not that they're speaking into your life. They're confirming what you already feel on the inside. It's things that you already feel on the inside and you know. But like you said before, some of that is fear. Um, sometimes yeah. it's fear that keeps us from moving our feet and going in different directions. Sometimes it's fear that keeps us tied down to the wrong people, the wrong group, the wrong person, the wrong direction. And that fear is, is crippling sometimes. You know, it's very mm-hmm. crippling. And sometimes it takes time to grow out of that, which were, which is where trial and error comes in. But I think that once a person gets a vision for themselves, once they get a direction for themselves, because in this world, if you don't have a vision, if you don't have a direction, if you don't have anything in mind, the world will create one for you. And it might not be what you want it to be. You know what I'm saying? And so a lot of times, once you get to the point that you have that passion for something, you have that fire for something, that's where you you start working on yourself. Now, don't get me wrong, because needing to be affirmed, that's something that happens on the inside. Honestly, you got grown-ups that, grown people that go to counseling because they got They got garbage in their basement. They got bags in their basement. That's what I say, basement. That means your... um, your inside, your soul, you know, a lot of times you have soul ties. Your parents give you soul ties from their own soul ties, and you create your own soul ties, and then, you know, so you got everybody's baggage that you just throw down in the basement, and you got to clean that basement out because if you don't clean it out, it's going to wear you down. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it depends. Is- it takes time, and mm-hmm. it's a process. That's true. And um, Imani, if I may just add to that to your question, because that's a good question that you asked. If you didn't have your parents around, where do you get that? And um, I'm one for always sitting back and watching. I observe so much. And and with every action, there's a reaction. So you kind of look, like Lisa said, it's hard when you're young and you're trying to find your way. But as you grow older, you tend to look at the things around you and see what happens and what happens as a reaction to certain things. And, no, I don't want that to happen to me, or that's not for me. And, and also in books, I love to read. So reading takes me out of certain elements 
You know, right. so it's, it's it's all around you. It's just a matter of grabbing what makes you feel good, what makes you give, what gives you hope, and what gives you passion, and what gives you a, a an insight of where you want to be a year from here, a two years from here. So it's not necessarily from parents because not all of us have those parents, like you said, to to give us that. So you have to look right. outside your circle. You have to look outside your comfort zone. And I've observed the actions and reactions of things that are around you, if that makes sense. Yeah. Absolutely. And finding yourself. You know, even as you get older, if you have children, when you get married, even if you just have a boyfriend, if you notice sometimes we as women, we lose ourselves. We're we're so nurturing because nurturing is our is our that's our spirit. That's what we do. And we will nurture somebody to uh, to our own death. You see what I'm saying? You will lose yourself in somebody else's world real quick, whether it's your man's world or your kid's world. You just lose yourself, and it becomes easy for somebody else to sell you their own dream and talk you out of yours. Hmm. That's so true. Now, Imani, I have a question for you. I'm not sure if this is your first book that's actually published, is it? No, actually, I have like um, six others. Six others published. Okay. As as a young, I I look at you as being a young author in this industry. What has been some of the most challenging things that you've come across? You know, because you like you said, you have been interested in the word since you were eleven, twelve years old. But as a published author, what have you found to be the most challenging? Uh, well. First of all, um, actually getting getting um, my name out there is like the hardest part for me. Um, mm-hmm. Because of my style, I noticed that um, people don't really, how you say it, um, they're not really, I guess, grown to, to I mm-hmm. feel that way, I guess, are not really grown mm-hmm. to the type of material that I write. I, I guess that's what I want to mm-hmm. say. And so that on top of being a new author, because I feel I feel that you um, even after three years, years I still feel like I'm a new author because you know mm-hmm. you know I I feel like if you 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 you're not new anymore when you have like a really big crowd of you know following you or a really big you know fan you know mm-hmm. following you, you know what I'm saying but it's kind right. of hard you're 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 still kind of new. And the type of you know, material you write is just different, and that's that's mm-hmm. actually not to say I haven't gotten any attention to to to, to my books. I do have a few fans, mm-hmm. and I do get a lot of people telling me that the stuff that you write is just different, and it should like go in mm-hmm. a category of its own. Like it it wouldn't even fall in the street literature category. It, it wouldn't even fall in an urban fiction category. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Getting my name out there, getting myself known. You know, letting people. People know about, you know, the things that I write and put my books out there. That's, like, the hardest thing for me. Mm-hmm. I understand exactly what you're saying. You know, we've had some, some, some we've had new and uh, established authors, and one thing that they always seem to say in, in comparison is know your, know your reading audience. You know, you, right. you have to know your reading base. And I happen to, you happen to have things that I like. And also with this platform that Alicia and I provide, that gets your name out there. That gets your book out there to those that may not 
be aware of. We've had plenty of listeners that listen to our show, and as they mm-hmm. hear the author or the artist or whatever it is that they're passionate about, they're on their computer one clicking. So and mm-hmm. and bringing it in, musicians, new music, new material. So it's just a, it's going to take time. And with platforms yeah. like Leisha and I have here on this chat, it, the word gets out there, and you just mm-hmm. continue to be visible to your readers, and I think that's a beautiful thing. Okay. Thank you. Absolutely. And networking. Networking is key. Networking is key in this industry for any and everybody. And don't think because someone is a seasoned author that they're never branding because someone is known. You know, Victoria Christopher Murray is always telling people who she is because you're you're trying to stay relevant. So no matter if you've written 10 books and you have two readers to you got 25 books and you got a million readers. You're always needing to brand yourself. You're always needing to network, and you're always needing to meet people and being able to talk about yourself and your work. And sometimes, you know, you might go to a book event, and there may not be a lot of foot traffic because maybe it wasn't advertised right or whatever the case may be. But you have to look at those times and those moments as networking opportunities. Network with some of the other authors where you can get ideas on some of the things that they're doing, ideas on Mm -hmm. different events that they may be going to that that you didn't know about. Anything that's going to help you get where you want to go, but you got to network. Always make sure you're doing more than just dropping links on your page. Talk to the people on your page. You know, for every post that you do about yourself, you should be sharing um, someone else's post. So it should be maybe every four posts should be about you, but it shouldn't just be about your book, and sometimes it shouldn't just be about outside life. You have to – sometimes you might look at an author's page and you don't even know they're an author. They have no Mm -hmm. clue, you know, because they don't talk about what they do. They don't talk about their passion. So you want to make sure that you're talking about your passion um, and watching who you're you're attaching yourself to. Everybody Mm -hmm. can't be attached Mm -hmm. to your brand. Because they will taint mm-hmm. it just by that attachment, so you have to be careful. Um, but I think that you will do it. You know what I'm saying? I think you will do it. I think that you are you're a new author. It will take time. It takes patience. But I think you have that thick skin to get where you need to be. Don't ever let anybody walk past your table. I don't care if they buy a book or not. Never let them pass your table. Always strike conversation. Because a lot of times people will support you just based off of hearing why it is you do what you do. Mm-hmm. We have people that just listen to the show and they're like, I don't know who this author is, but I love why they started writing or I feel how they feel on this. I'm going to go check out their work and give them some support. Some people will just support you from hearing your passion. Mm-hmm. But don't That's get discouraged. Absolutely. Now, do you have paperbacks as well, Imani? I do. And do you carry with uh, carry them with you everywhere you go? Let me let me rephrase that. Um, I don't have I don't have in in on um any on me. But what I I am planning to do is get some printed so that I can take mm-hmm. them with me. Um, I don't mm-hmm. have any at the moment, but that's just one of my plans. To, I'm plan I plan to do that. 
Okay. Because I just have, I, I, I think one of the best things as an author is that paperback hustle. Here in New York, you know, you, we walk down the streets and we see those those paperbacks out, those that paperback hustle is a beautiful thing. You are literally talking to your, your you, you have your product, that paperback is your business card into a reader's hand. So always make sure you have your, when you get them, have your paperbacks in your bag, in your trunk, wherever you are, at the gas station, at the supermarket, at, on the train, you know, you read, hey, check my book out. Just keep those paperbacks on you. And that's mm-hmm. an, the paperback hustle is a, I love seeing an author hustle their, hustle their product. That's a beautiful, a beautiful thing. So those are just some of the little tips Leisha and I have have shared with you. We hope that you have taken them, and we've shared them graciously, and we hope that you have taken them to heart. And, you know, this platform is always here as well if you want to use it. So just hit one of us up, and we'll make that happen. All right. I will do that. (laughs) But now we always, T always has some fun questions. I'm excited to see what she's going to have for you tonight. (laughs) Now, I'm going to say, if you got pearls, just go on and clutch them now, because ain't no telling what she's going to say. <laughs> I, I, I think we've laden her with too much, with a whole lot, so I'm going to go easy on it. But next time you come into the doors and let's chat, you, wanna, you better be ready, girl. <laughs> Okay. And, and with that, and with that being said, I'm I'm in a good mood today. I, I got a little piece of candy sitting here. So it's going to be based off of some candy. Now, if you were a piece of candy, Imani, what would you be, and why? And give me a special way that um someone can enjoy that, that you can give to them for them to enjoy it. Oh my God. <laughs> I told oh. you if you had pearls to go ahead on and clutch them now. Oh, <laughs> um, well, if I was a piece of candy, what flavor would I be? Caramel. What what what, what would you be? Your piece of caramel? Yes. Okay. And 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 how would you feed it to someone that loves caramel? How would I feed First it? First of all, why a piece why a piece of caramel? You, you don't be trying to skip the question, part of the question, no. girl. <laughs> no, because um, well, well, first of all, I love caramel. That's like that's like my flavor. I love it. So um, okay. So if you ask me how I will feed it to someone. Yeah, if you want to introduce them to someone that has never had caramel, how would you? What would be your special way? of introducing it to them or feeding it to them or however way you want to give it to them. Oh, well. Use your imagination. Uh, <laughs> okay, we're going to give you a minute. We're going to give you a minute to think on it. Okay. <laughs> we're going to give right. you a minute to think on it. Right. We're going to bring Honeybee. While you thinking on it, we're going to bring Honeybee in the chat room. She's going to tap that, talk that talk with us. But I want you to think on it for a minute. All right. Hands free. Hands free, Imani. <laughs> okay. I, see, I tried to tell you that you needed to uh, clutch your pearls because Miss T, when she gets to thinking about stuff, <laughs> ain't no telling. Ain't no telling at all. Oh my God! <laughs> well, we got Arthur Honeybee in the chat room. Hey, how are you? 
I'm wonderful. How about you? Hey, honeybee. Welcome to the chat room. Thanks for joining us. Hi. How are you? Oh, we are good. We are good. Let me tell y'all about this one right here, y'all. I have never (laughs) met her, but her drive, she she has drive and passion for what she wants to do, and I love it. In this industry, we talked about that. You got to have thick skin, you got to have drive, and you got to have passion. And so I appreciate you and what you bring to the industry, author Honeybee. Tell everybody a little bit about your work uh, and your literary journey. All right. Well, first of all, thank you for that introduction. Uh, Yes, you do have to have thick skin and drive in this industry. Um, What I do is I do a little bit of everything, actually. Um, I came in as an author. And uh, but then I, I developed into promoting um, and writing at the same time to now publishing. Um, and I dabble a little bit with graphics as well. I've done a few of my own. I haven't actually gotten out there where I'm going to charge yet. Um, I still want to, mm-hmm. you know, enhance that craft more before I actually, you know, tell people you need to give me some money. But now I do do flyers mm-hmm. and things like that that people um, buy from me. Um, and I do do uh, banners as well. But, um, yeah, I I write in a pretty much every category. I have street lit slash crime. Um, I do tragedy, romance, Christian, sci-fi, you name it. I write it just about um, some of my my street lit. It goes head in hand with erotica, so I do throw some erotica scenes in there. I haven't done a full erotica novel yet. But that has Mm -hmm. been something I've been toying with doing um from the heart um if I don't feel the story I'm not going to write it if I'm in the middle of writing it and I'm not feeling it I'm going to go to something else I'm just going to stop until Mm -hmm. I can feel that story so I got to actually feel it I got to be behind it 100% or I'm not going to I'm not going to put it out there I will throw it away um I'm going to give my readers what they want something you know something that is not predictable um something that changes I'm you one book might be in third person the next book might be in first person you never know uh I change up the way the the stories look I might have it in uh when I do my dialect I might have it in italicized I might have it in bold you never know what my story is going to be like um because I do something different on a regular so um, I don't want to be one of those, oh, well, this is what she's writing about now, you know, like another love, here's another love, sad love story or anything like that. I want to keep it something fresh for for all the readers um, so mm-hmm. I can keep the ones that I have and gain new. Mm-hmm. Wow. Absolutely. So, now, what was going on in your world that you felt like you had to sit down and write that first book? What was happening where you said, you know, I think I'm going to do this. Uh, I'm going to go ahead on and step out and make this happen. What was going on? Tell us a little bit about that, how you started writing. Okay. Well, I always, um, I've always wrote poetry ever since I was little. Um, And then it got to the point where whenever somebody passed, I really, really, you know, like, got into my poetry writing or whatever, spoken word. And then my family started reading it at the obituaries and, you know, <laughs> and everything like that. So at the funerals that, you know, they, they put it in the obituary and, and everything. So um, that's how that started. Now for me to actually become a published author, I was doing a lot of reading. Uh, it was a winter and, you know, in the wintertime you get snowed in or what have you, especially if you're in the South, if it snows too, 
two plates on the ground, that's it, everything's canceled. <laughs> we actually had, you know, a little bit more than the two plates, so we were actually, actually stranded in there. And so I was doing nothing but reading books, reading books, reading books. My son was like, Ma, you need to go ahead and, and write a book. You read them all the time. I can guarantee, you know, with your poetry writing and you reading and everything, you'd be able to write a good book. So I said, okay. So I started writing. And it, I was supposed to do a poetry book at first. Um, mm-hmm. I reached out to um, a publisher, and he um, was starting a different publishing company. So he put me in with them. I lasted there for probably 90 days. Yeah, right to she started mm-hmm. messing up my Amazon money, and I, I split, and I started Honeybee Inc. But, um, yeah, it was, it was pretty much my oldest son that pushed me into actually writing. And then once I, I wrote it, and, you know, and everybody was like, oh, this is a really good book, you know, and everybody was like, you're a really great storyteller and, and everything. So, you know, they fed my ego, so I continued because they fed my ego. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow, well, they nothing wrong with that, honeybee. <laughs> <laughs> right, you 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 told me I'm good at something. I'm gonna keep doing it, and I'm gonna and I'm gonna perfect it. I'm gonna keep on, you know, trying to make it better. I'm one that, you know, I'm not gonna just let it stay at that, and I'm gonna stay, you know, level. I'm trying to go up. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Right. Now, what are some of the things you do? You know, sometimes you you get writer's block or. Sometimes you get, um, I call it lazy pen syndrome. Everybody gets it from time to time. What do you do at that time when maybe you're frustrated or uh, you're not feeling like writing at that time or you're blocked from your creative juices? What are some of the things you do to help loosen yourself out of that? I'm kind of going through that now because, like, I'm working on a sci-fi book, and I just and I'm a procrastinator. That's what that is. I like to, I have a time crunch of when I want it done, and I will procrastinate mm-hmm. through the beginning of it, and then at the end, it's like the intensity of it makes me drive more. But um, I don't come. I, I don't stop writing altogether. I start working on another project. So if like one project ain't working, I'm working on something else. So I have actually about five or six different projects going on right now. And so mm-hmm. I bounce back and forth for where my mood is. My mood might not be in sci-fi today. It might be more on history or it might uh-huh. be more on current events or whatever. Cause I'm actually with all the storms that's going on, I'm mean, taking notes and, and um, I'm thinking I might do something with all these storms that's going on. Um, mm-hmm. So you could be possibly seeing days of destruction coming quickly. <laughs> oh. Um, oh. So I have been like with Irma, I'm up, I'm always on my phone writing down how many deaths and what you know where the storm is now, what was the 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 the, the speed of the wind and everything. So I'm actually doing mm-hmm. a timetable of all the events and what's going on, and I really do think that I might be doing days of destruction. Oh, that sounds interesting. Please keep us surprised of that. Now, this is Tony, honeybee. Like Grisha said, you have a lot going on over there, sister. You have your your writing, your graphics, your banner, your promoting, your publishing. But with those books and the different genres that you do write, which is the most challenging to you, and which one do you get get the most pleasure from writing? Oh, none of them have really, like, I wouldn't say challenging they're all different Uh and unique in their own way 
Now, okay. like the, the the romance, I would guess is more challenging because I'm more on the the edgy urban side of things. But on the urban mm-hmm. side, you have so many different urban authors. Um, I'm like, you know, I really don't. I want to be in it, and I don't. So I do, you know, urban here and there. Um, with mm-hmm. that, I I will be releasing another street lit book. Um, it's uh, Murder in Cell Block Six, Nika's story. That would be dropping oh. on the tenth, and that is a, a crime street lit book. Um, mm-hmm. And so, but but what I really really enjoy writing is either the tragedy or the sci fi. Um, mm-hmm. That is you got so many different things you can do with that. It's not even funny, especially mm-hmm. with the sci fi. Now, my tragedy, I do have another tragedy. I have one tragedy book out, and I'm doing a sequel to that that will be um, coming out in November on Black Friday. Um, uh-huh. okay. That, I like that because I take away all profanity when I do these books, when I do my tragedy or my Christian. I take away all profanity. Uh-huh. So that makes me have to, that makes you have to expand your vocabulary a little bit more because if you're really, really uh-huh. angry and, you know, typically you're going to let that word drop, and I'm trying mm-hmm. to do something for those that don't like profanity. Um, that makes me broaden my vocabulary even more. So, you know, what can I say so they know that I'm really angry in this situation, but I'm not using profanity. So, because mm-hmm. I'm a cusser, I can cuss you up and down, left and right, and, and you won't even be able to. Get, I'll get 300 cuss words out, and you won't even know that many exist. You wouldn't know what language it was. You just know you'd be a cuss out. Exactly. You know, so I mean, so that for me, that's challenging. So you know, that puts my, that makes me have to think more. You know, I got to use my vocabulary more. So <laughs> I feel you, girl. I feel you, girl. But I have a question, and I, I want to have a question for you. Uh, and I have a question for um, author Imani, Imani, because you both chose different paths. Um, you're you're an you're an author, but you're also a publisher. And in my eyes, as a publisher, a publisher is nothing but an investor. They're investing into someone's vision. Um, so I want you both to talk a little bit about why you chose your path, whether it's traditional or self-publishing. Let's start with Imani. Uh, Imani, you're currently signed to a publisher. What made you decide to do that, opposed to self-publishing your books? Well. Um, I wanted to go um, that particular route because, you know, in the beginning, because this is my since this is my seventh book, this is the seventh book under a publisher. But I must, I'm going to add mm-hmm. this in it too. Um, I am going to be doing self publishing. Um, but I started oh, okay. out that way because um, actually, I honestly, I didn't really know a lot about self publishing, and um, mm-hmm. I actually. And don't laugh at me. I was really naive when I started all of this. When I started my mm-hmm. first book, I, I was, I was, I didn't really know a lot, and I actually didn't know there was such a thing as self-publishing. I thought mm-hmm. that most of the most of the books that were written, people have publishers for. I, that's what I thought, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, mm-hmm. the more I got into it, you know, I just felt like I just wanted to, I just wanted to see what it, you know, felt like. And I'm still under one because, you know. Um, I hear they say that self-publishing could be just a little bit pricey, 
you know. So it's also financial wise. It's like you know, you just don't know. You you want to you want to self publish, but you know, until I can find out. But then I'm hearing I'm hearing people say yes, it is, and the other people say it's not as expensive as you think. So I'm going to do my research, and because I do want to get into that. Absolutely, and Honeybee. Um. Well, I did start off, like I said, for 90 days with a publishing company. It did, it, and to what she just said, that it can get pricey. It can. It really can if you don't know um, graphic designers, if you don't have a good repetition with graphic designers, if you don't find that good um, editor. A lot of times the majority of the graphic designers and the editors, once you've been with them for a little bit, they, they're going to knock the price down for you a little bit too, you know, because they know you are repeat. So, uh, but me going, you know, the reason why I decided to end up opening up Honeybee Inc. to other um, authors, which I just started doing the publishing to other authors uh, this year, and I already, I do have one signed, and I'll be releasing his book this November, is because, you know, some of, and I'm not saying all, but some of these publishers out here don't have these authors' best interests at heart. Like, my my best interest was not at, at my publisher's best heart. You know, it was her pocketbook was her. Mm-hmm. And I'm just mm-hmm. not the one if um if I don't think that um the book is gonna sell, I'm gonna tell you, okay, well you need to uh you know, try something different or or, you know, what have you. It's not to say that it's not gonna sell, but it might not be, you know, you might need to do a little bit more work on it because everybody's going to buy something. And you put a pretty picture on it and you market it right, it's going to it's, it's sell. Now, is it going to mm-hmm. have great reviews? you got to look at the alternatives. So that's, that's the main thing. Now, you can go ahead and you can sell 500 books and make your money, but you're not going to have repeat readers if you start getting all these bad reviews. Now, some bad reviews don't have no substance to it. So it depends on how that review is is read, because you can get a bad review. Oh, I didn't like it um, because I don't like the way it ended. That has no substance. Why right. didn't you? So I mean, you know, that's so ahead. true. But you know, we always talk about that here on Let's Chat. Every uh, review, good or bad, is not the end all be all. And if you get a one star review, those one star reviews nine times out of ten is what the readers go to look for first. Like I know as a reader, I'm looking for the one-star and the two-star reviews, and I'm looking for why. And this is why I say this. Your job is to put the reader in their feelings. If they say, I don't like Mm -hmm. the way the book ended, I don't understand why Susie and Freddie had to break up, they end their feelings. At that point in time, your review has become a message board. And that reader needs right. to tell you how they feel about what you did. And to me, if you and your feelings like that and you got to give that author a one-star one, you're trying to get their attention because you're feeling away. And the fact that you're feeling mm-hmm. away means that author did their job. Sorry, T. Exactly. So that, that's why it says, you know, you got to go about what is in it because that one-star review, somebody can read that, turn around by that book and give you a five-star review. That's true. Because they understood what was going on. So that's how come, you know, reviews, I take them with a grain of salt. I appreciate my five-star reviews. I appreciate my one-star reviews. I'm not going to belittle one for the other. I, and I always mm-hmm. comment on them. You, you give me a review, I might be late because I might not have caught that review. But once I do catch that review, I will send you a message. And it, and it will show up on there, you know, that I sent you a message 
thanking you for your purchase and, and what have you. But at the mm-hmm. end of the day, that review really isn't going to stop me from what I'm going to do. It may make me, okay, maybe I should have did this. So then you might end up seeing that book revised later on down the line. Mm-hmm. But then again, I might be like, well, it actually got their attention. You know, they felt this way and that way. That's the way they should have felt. That's the way I wanted them to feel. And they didn't realize mm-hmm. that's what I wanted them to feel. So it goes by just how the, that reader felt. Everybody not going to like everything anyway. You can't please everybody. No, nope. absolutely. I can't please everybody, so I know I can't please everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I know, that's right. And even speaking as a publisher, you know, uh, to me, a publisher is an investor. And I think that sometimes authors forget to invest in themselves. And right. I say this because you're off, you're at, know what you know because you know it. Not because someone told you this is what it's supposed to be. A lot of authors, like um, Imani was saying, she didn't know a lot of things. She wasn't sure about a lot of things because a lot of times they don't research. Um, I think right. that a, a publisher is always going to think about their purse strings. They have to because they're investing. Mm-hmm. It, it's just like uh, it's just like a household. If you're pouring money out to the bills and to this and to that, and it's like, okay, y'all ain't bringing no money in. You know, if it's a household, you you asking questions like, what is going on? But I think sometimes people don't know how to move in the industry efficiently. And when right. you don't have the understanding of how to move in the industry efficiently, that becomes something that kind of um, – discourages you and then the other thing is the the being able to step out and step out in front of people that may not know who you are and grab their attention you know I go to book fairs all the time and you have authors that just sit down like I walked up to tables and the author didn't even bother to get up they just sat down and to me never Mm -hmm. assume that a reader because they come to an event, they're just going to buy your book. You still have to sell yourself along with that book. You have to make them feel like, oh, I like this person. Let me see what they're talking about. What's, what's your book about? Da, 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 da. But when they come to your table, like I was telling Imani, never let anybody pass your table without speaking about something. Even if they do not buy your book, talk about your book, talk about your passion all the time. Right. But I've been a reader going to some of these events, and you got authors that just mm-hmm. sit down, they don't greet you, they have food on the top of the table. You know, it's just the whole etiquette. They're not, they don't know. Right. And that itself right. turns readers off. Right. But it you can't does, get mad about does. the publisher at that. That becomes you grinding. You know, you can't say, well, how many books do I bring to your to an event? Well, that depends on what your hustle is. Do you sell books just at the event, or do you sell them at the airport? Do you sell them at the gas station? Do you sell it at Target when you go in there to get this? Do you sell it at Walmart? Are you selling it at the restaurant? What's your grind like? Mm-hmm. Right. Because even if at that, at that show, at that, at that book event, and they you give them your card, you talk to them. They might not buy right then, but let me tell you something. At every event that I've ever been to, if they didn't buy right then and there, they they, they went online and bought. Right. Mm-hmm. So even, exactly. at, even at my events, my online sales would skyrocket. So they might have left 
not buying a paperback because, okay, I don't really know her. I'm gonna, And I'm like that. If I don't really know what author, I'm going to go download you first, see if, if I like your work, then I'm going to pour money into you. Um, on paperbacks, I will I will find you. Oh, can you? Okay, look, PayPal me some uh, uh, invoice so I can send you this book, what have you. I do that with Quan all the time. Quan, I need a book. You know, I won't buy his his books at the store no more. I will not give Walmart, Target, none of them my money. I'm gonna give my full amount to Quan. So he deserve it. He put his heart into his work. You know, and so that's a, and that's how I feel. And uh, so I mean, that's what happens. You know, they could walk away from your table and not buy nothing, but they they they're gonna buy when they get on get home. They're gonna go online. They're gonna Google you. They're gonna they're gonna find you on Facebook, see what you about. Mm-hmm. And then they're going to, they, they'll buy. So I always tell authors, too, my authors or any authors, I see so, so many of these authors now, you know, they're fighting on Facebook and everything like that. You, you, you keep on, and you're going to lose a lot of your, of your audience. Keep your Facebook page, you know. Yeah, you could do certain personal things, but there's not everything needs to be aired in, on social media. Your personal life should not be on social media. You, if you're using that as a business tool, keep it that business. Preach, girl. That that is so true. I get so tired of seeing people's personal business go right on in. But um, I, I you you brought up something, Honey Bee, because I'm an editor as well, and and I love hearing what you said about editing. And when you were giving us the rundown on your your various uh things that you're involved in, some of the things you said, one book may be in bold, one may be in italics, and just different. You must keep your editor on the edge of his or her seat with your writing. I do. <laughs> I do. I really do. Because they, they, they don't know what I'm working on. Don't know what I'm working on. You don't, you know. And uh, so one time she was like, uh, a murder in cell block six. Her daughter was actually in jail. I did not know this. Oh. So I turned this book in. And she was like, it's hard for me to work it right now because my daughter's in jail. Wow. So you might have wanted to tell me something like that because, you know, there ain't no telling what, you know, might come out come, come out of me. You might want to tell me something about that, you know. Right. So, right. <laughs> um, oh, my. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, But she, she got through it or what have you. But, yeah, my, mm-hmm. my editors, they, she was like, um, with one of my books, is it supposed to be in bold like this? Because it was my um, sci-fi book, and I had it mm-hmm. in, in bold. She's like, is it supposed to be in mm-hmm. bold? I don't want to um, change it, and it's not supposed to. I'm like, yeah, because, you know, I want them to know that, you know, this is something that's serious, what they're talking about. So I had that. Okay. My romance or my tragedy, I try to put in italicized so you know it's the softer side to that story. Mm-hmm. Wow. And I have one more question on the editing side. Now, you say you like to write in the first and third person. Do you find that you tend to like one more than the other? Um, depends on how I want the story read. Now, if okay. I want it where, I'm, uh, it where somebody's telling the story, where the, the, the main character is, like, telling the story, then, yeah, I want, it, I want it first person because I want them to tell you exactly how they felt at that moment. You know, mm. I felt this, I felt that, um, mm-hmm. so that way you can become that, that character. Now, if I want you to be able to relate to all of the characters in the story, typically I'm going to do mm-hmm. that in third person because I want you to okay. find a, a one or maybe two characters that you can be like, you know what? I feel what this person is feeling. 
So I'm going to do it right. in third person. So that way you can, you can find the character that best fits you. Mm-hmm. I love it. Well, thank you so much. Now, Imani, I didn't forget about your question over there, but I'm going to ask Honey B her fun question, and then I'm going to swing back over to Arthur Imani because I didn't forget about you, girl. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Um, Honey B, you have so much going on, like I said, and you are my hero. So your question for tonight is, if you were a superhero, what would you be? And you can make up anything, and whatever would your superpowers be? Hmm. A superhero. That's a good one. I, I don't know. You're going to have to go to the candy one over to Amani and get back to me. Because <laughs> I got so many characters in my head. I don't know. I'd be like a mix thing or something. I don't even know what I would be. You can mix them all up, honeybee. <laughs> anything in my way. Okay. (laughs) Ain't nothing wrong with that. Not at all. Well, thank you so much (laughs) for sharing in my madness as well. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) And make sure y'all stop by my Facebook page because I got this trending question. What? And I want y'all ladies to, to chime in. And the question on the page is, how would your pregnant, how would your husband's pregnant side piece end up living with y'all? I'm going to let y'all harbor and then speak on, think on that and hold oh, that real easy. tight. She's going she go, she go to be living with us in the backyard in a body bag. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> she, didn't, she didn't even have to think about the leash. It's, yeah, the word earn, I mean, the word earn, earn has been thrown around. Everybody's like, in earn. 
Honey, what do you think? Uh, first of all, she wouldn't be living with us. Oh, mm-hmm. Imani says she can't even come in. She's not, no, she's not coming up in this house, no. Mm, I feel you, sisters. I feel you. <laughs> Imani say, wait a minute. I may not know about the caramel, but I know about that. Oh, no. <laughs> we so appreciate you ladies coming to kick it with us here in the chat room. You know you are welcome anytime that you want to come on. You feel like you want to have a mind, body, and soul and got something sitting in your spirit you just want to have girl chat about. You got a hot novel coming out. Just let us know and me and see what make it happen. All right. Well, thank you for having me. You are more than welcome. Before you guys head out the chat room, make sure you shout out all of your social media and your latest hot read so these readers know what to go one click. Let's start with Imani. Um, yeah, you can um, follow me on my Facebook page, Arthur Imani. I have Arthur Imani's page, and I have one on Instagram, Arthur Imani, just straight Arthur Imani, and on Twitter as well. And I also have um, a Wix site, Wix, uh, I think it's called wix.arthurimani.com. <laughs> and where can I get your latest book? You can find it on Amazon. Ebook and paperback is available on Amazon. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. And Miss Honeybee, shout out your social media handles. Okay, so on Facebook, you can find me at Cindy or Cynthia Albert. Um, anything um, as far as what's really, really going on with the um, company, you can check um, on Facebook as well with um, Honeybee Inc., uh, the buzz on Honeybee Inc. as well. On Instagram, mm-hmm. I am um, down as honey, the authoress Honeybee, uh, so you can catch mm-hmm. me on Instagram, um, Twitter, Honeybee Albert. I'm really I'm, I'm bad about being on Twitter, so really, if you if you go on there, I check it about twice a week. So I mean, you can leave mm-hmm. me a message. Um, I will check it. I will get back to anybody who sends me a message. But I do have. Mm-hmm. Um, I do go in there and update what I'm what I'm working on. Um, okay. I did just got a Snapchat, and I don't know how to really use it, but I've been playing with it. So I am mm-hmm. Honeybee1976 on Snapchat. So uh, please um, add me. And I, what I want to do with that one is I'm going to chat stories of books that are in my company. So it's not just going to be my books. It's going to be uh, London Star. It's going to be Miss um, Trish um, Potter is going to be, uh, I'm sorry, Trish Trotter and uh, mm-hmm. Prince. So we're going to be, I'm going to have all of my authors. I'm going to, once a week, I'm going to um, do a chat about what's going on with one of their stories. It may be a clip from okay. their story. It could be when, when it's going to release, what have you. So definitely check that out. My webpage, Honeybee Inc. Promotions um, at Web, WebPress. So you can follow me there. Again, I will have current events on there. I have um, blog posts about different stories and who I'm working with. So you definitely would want to check that out as well. Uh, newest release from the Honeybee Inc. Um, label and promoting side. Um, again, I have um, a murder in cell block six sneaker story that's going to drop on the 10th. London Star is going to drop um, uh, Kingpin's Obsession Part 2 on the 14th of this month. Uh, 
Trotter, mm-hmm. she's dropping her third cart to her Swinger Series. That's going to be on um, November 1st. And then I got my debut author, Prince. He's going to be on the Honey Bee Inc. label. He's going to be releasing his book on November 24th, as I will be releasing a book on November 24th. So he's going to have Redemption Before Demise, and I'm going to have A New Year, A New Tragedy. So that's going to be my tragedy book. All of our books are available on Amazon on Kindle Unlimited. So, you know, if you've got Kindle Unlimited, go ahead, download those books, start swiping them pages for us. Um, you w- you awesome. will not regret um, getting it. Also, you can buy our books on Create Space or on Amazon or follow us on Facebook. Just inbox us. Say, hey, I want to buy your paperback. We will send you an autographed copy of the paperback. If you cannot find any of my authors, Trish, London, if you cannot find them, inbox me. I will get you an autographed paperback book sent to your doorstep. Wow. Awesome. awesome. You got a lot going on over there. <laughs> <laughs> well, we appreciate you ladies for coming to kick it with us in the chat room. You are welcome to come back anytime. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Enjoy the rest of your evening, ladies. Thank you. I'm about to go back to work. <laughs> okay. Bye. Think about that. Think about that caramel, Imani. Good night. All right. <laughs> oh, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> we're gonna take a brief break, and then we're gonna come back with the man of the hour. You know, it's so many hardworking men in literature, and this man is one. Dr. Keith Kareem Williams. Yes, he is. We're going to take a brief break and we'll be right back with him. This is State of Emergency. Bitches, 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 bitches. You want me to do? I'm sorry. I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. back. Corporate love and hustle. Making money hustle. Independent business. 24 struggles. On the block hustle. Crooked cop hustle. Hustle. 
this how we get it popping off, so we all bubble, bubble, bubble. If you love them, who you wanna be hugging? Go with niggas that be sucking, that be sucking. You know we hustle around here. If you love them, who you wanna be hugging? Go with niggas that be sucking, go with niggas that be sucking. Uh-huh. If you love them, who you wanna be hugging? Go with niggas that be sucking, that be sucking. You know we hustle around here. You are now tuned in to the mother uh, greatest. Yes, we are back. We are back. Welcome to Let's Chat. If you're just tuning in, welcome. If you have missed any part of our show, no worries. Just head back to our archives here on blogtalk.com and check them out. And if you don't want to head over to Blog Talk, no worries. You can catch us on iTunes as a podcast or actually any podcast app. We have our next fabulous guest. He coming to kick it with the ladies of the chat. Author and publisher Keith Kareem Williams. Hey, how are you? Hey, ladies, how you guys going? Hey, Keith, welcome to this chat. Thanks. I'm, I've I've been excited to come on the show since I met you guys. Oh, well, thank we you. We have you. <laughs> For all of those that don't know, author Kareem Williams, tell everybody just a little bit about your literary journey uh, and your work. Well, I am, I like to call myself a self-published savage. Um, I've been a full-time, I published my first book, um, self-published it in 2004. And in 2010, when I released my second novel, Open Spaces, um, when I got the proof copy in my hands, I wrote my resignation letter to my job with my company, BlackBerry, CC'd all the owners, all the management, and since 2010 until now, I've been a full-time author. So um, after, you know, in, in that time span, you know, I've published 13 books from um, all different genres. Um, because, you know, I actually, I never wanted to be an author that followed a formula where readers mm-hmm. can predict what I'm going to write. That's boring. Like, you know, it's like sex. You want to have sex missionary position every night? You can't do that, so oh. I try to give them something different every time, you know. And I always believe that I wanted to be the type of author that can write any genre and amaze you with it, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's fantasy, whether it's erotica, whether it's urban, whether it's drama, romance, whatever the genre, if I'm good at what I'm doing, if I'm good at what I do, then, you know, mm-hmm. you should enjoy it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's pretty much oh, that's, you know that's pretty much what oh, I do. Right I get out every day. Um, I push my books myself. You know, mm-hmm. I, I I'm sure you guys are gonna ask me. You know, I let you guys get and ask me some questions and go from there. <laughs> well, we love listening to you as well because you know we kind of get our feel for you and we do see you out there getting that paperback console on a daily basis. Thank you, thank you. It's not a and you we know, do our show a, a little bit different. We do our show a little okay. bit different. We don't have preset questions, so we love the we love the guests to talk. Spontaneity. We love to listen That's to awesome. them talk so that we can get questions from what they say. So okay. we don't mind. And my first right. first question to you is: Why did you choose self publishing opposed to um, going the traditional route? Um, when I first with my first book, um, that actually started off when I was in college. Um, I was in college, and I was undecided. Even though I've always been a good writer, like I used to win essay contests, poetry contests in school, 
I hope none of well, my I'm old, so none of my teachers are listening. They're not around anymore. But when I was in school, <laughs> when I was in school, I was that kid that you know you have a book report to do, and mm-hmm. it's like the night before it is due tomorrow, and I would kind of like flip mm-hmm. to a chapter, read it, and then build the whole book report off of just whatever little bit that I read it. And the teacher would send back the paper. Oh, this is brilliant, A plus. I'm like, I need to read the book, but um. Wow. When I was when I was in college, I took a fiction workshop, and um, there weren't any textbooks, and the only way to get graded was, you know, we would write, you know, students would write, bring the work in, and we would critique it in class, and that's how the professor would grade it. You know, it's basically mm-hmm. a class where you had to write and participate. And I wasn't accustomed to reading in front of anybody. I was just used to just writing mm-hmm. and turning in papers. So mm-hmm. we wrote about a couple weeks into the class, and I hadn't said a word. So um, I went home one afternoon because I'm working two jobs to pay for school. So I'm like, listen, dude, you can't fail this class because this is not high school. You're paying for it. So I started writing at 2.30 in the afternoon, and I wrote mm-hmm. until 2.30 in the morning straight. And when oh, I brought that into, yeah, when I, when I brought that into class, the next time I had the class, you know, the professor, I raised my the professor, the professor was like, who are you? I had to tell him my name because I was quiet, you know, and then um, <laughs> when I read what became the first two chapters of my first book, Water Flows Under Doors, I could feel the energy in the room as I read from my notebooks. Mm. Like, the parts that were sad, I could feel it. Um, The parts that were funny, people giggled. And when I finished reading and I closed the notebook, the whole class, like, they exhaled, like, wow. And the professor said mm. to me, you know, this is what you should be doing. He said, I don't know if you know this, but you are that good. And, you know, I, mm-hmm. I took it with a grin because, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a humble guy. Like, I'm confident, but, you know, I'm pretty humble. And um, mm-hmm. I took a semester off because money had caught it to me. So I was like, you know what, let me take a break, um, save up some money, then I'll go back to school. Um, mm-hmm. my kid's mother had my son. So then, you know, family and taking care of my family becomes a priority. So I didn't go back to school. And then, um, right when, cause I was young, 20, when I was 22, you know, you figure it out. Mm-hmm. And then, um, right when I was like, okay, you know what? I should go back to school now. Here comes my daughter. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, well, we're not going back to school right now, but I didn't want to not do what I believed I was capable of doing just because I can't go back to college. Mm. So I started doing research. Um, and I, you know, I studied the two different paths, traditional publishing and self-publishing. And I just liked self-publishing because I liked the, the amount of control that I would have. You know, if mm. I wanted to put out a book every week, I could do that. I, the content, I wouldn't have to try to convince a publisher that what I was writing was marketable because I knew that I could sell it. So, you know, instead of getting 50 rejection letters, because sometimes what I try to tell authors is when you get rejection letters, it's not always because your work wasn't good. Mm -hmm. Publishers publish a limited amount of material per year. So sometimes they either don't know what to do with what you wrote, like they don't know how to market it, or they already have something similar. So it's it's not an indictment on your skill level or your talent level. I just want to, I like the ability to just, if I want to drop a book next week, I could do it if I want to. You know what I mean? So, and I'm 
And and when I quit, I think I was always leaning towards that. I I never liked having a boss. I like mm-hmm. the freedom of working for myself. Like I'm a single. You like, I don't know if I told you guys. I'm a single dad also. So mm-hmm. when I'm working for people, if one of my kids is sick, I have to beg for a day off. Right. Um, if they have school trips to go to, parent teachers conferences. You know, I wasn't always able to go to their shows at school. Now, when in 2010, when I quit, I was able to have breakfast with them every morning, walk them to school, pick them up from school. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it was it was a it was a life choice for me also, where I needed a more manageable schedule where I could juggle my schedule. You know, I needed that freedom to be able to, I feel to be the type of father that I wanted to be to my kids. So that was another mm-hmm. big part of it because when I had when I was working with my other job, I would you know my mother, my aunt, my cousins they would help out with the kids. But when I would get home, I'd be tired. I would, you know, get home late. The kids are sleeping already. Um, on the weekends, the time that I'm supposed to spend with them, all I really want to do is sleep because I'm tired. So, mm-hmm. and it's not to say I don't work hard now, but, you know, I'm more able to, I have more control over my time. So that's kind of mm-hmm. what led me to self-publish. Mm-hmm. Well, you, this is Tommy, Keith. You've had a very interesting journey to get to this point. <laughs> And hats yep. off to, to to you stepping up and, and making your responsibilities first and foremost. But um, I just want to ask you uh, on that last part that you said as far as the journey that you took with self-publishing, do you think right. that because you self-published that it just gave you, it just gave your pen a little bit more freedom to do what it is that you do and just find your niche or various niches? I believe so because, for me, I'm my my the my the the stuff that I write, mm-hmm. I always struggle to to classify it or to label it because I really do believe that it's unique. So mm-hmm. um, I never follow trends. I pretty much just write whatever I want. So the difficulty for me sometimes is um, I've written most of my books are I would say the the, the the general theme is they're all set in cities. You know, for the most part, they're urban. But I've written paranormal, mm-hmm. erotica. I'm working on a dark fantasy novel now. And mm-hmm. it's it's tricky sometimes because I'm not writing what I would say is trending or what's popular. doesn't mean it's not great. It's just the difficulty right. is in introducing it to read it, to show them that it is. For example, mm-hmm. um, my first two books, Water Flows on the Doors and Open Spaces, and even Glass Goddesses, Concrete Walk, those were more, I would call them, urban contemporary. Now, you could classify mm-hmm. them as drama. Um, some were a little bit more street than others. But I would say they ride on the fence with urban contemporary. And then I got mm-hmm. bored with it because I lived it. Like, I, listen, I grew up in Brooklyn. It's <laughs> some mm-hmm. of the worst neighborhoods. So <laughs> I lived it. So for me, mm-hmm. I'm just kind of like retelling experiences and things that I've seen and so on and so forth. And sometimes I want to do something different because I was a kid. I always read comic books, and I like fantasy right. and I like science fiction. So what I did was, with my War Angel novels, what I did was they're still urban stories, but in the first War Angel book, I mixed in a little bit of paranormal. And you mm-hmm. know, because I didn't also didn't want to, um, I didn't want to shock my readers. 
So mm-hmm. I kind of I snuck it in there on them. And the feedback mm-hmm. that I got was like, oh, you like that? All right, well, watch what I do with the next two. So, you know, mm-hmm. I, 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 I mix and match. Sometimes you'll read one of my books and think it's one genre, and then by the end of the book it's something totally different. But mm-hmm. it also doesn't, you know, like, it, you could feel, if I don't do it right, you could feel like I tricked you and you could feel mm-hmm. dissatisfied. But mm-hmm. I like to think that for the most part, based on the feedback that I get on the books, is that they enjoyed it. Like it's a pleasant surprise. It's refreshing. They didn't expect it. Mm-hmm. And now I have people mm-hmm. that never read fantasy or science fiction or paranormal, and they're looking for books in those genres. So, you know, mm-hmm. I did my job. I did good. That's that's interesting. This is still Tony. We're gonna to try to introduce ourselves because we've been so we sound so much alike. Based okay. on the fact that you have so many different genres and you kinda of mix mm-hmm. and match, as right. far as your research and what do you read, how do you make it believable? Do you read other books in the same genre? What type of research do you do? How how okay. do you make it, you know, accessible and readable to those that well, are familiar with the genre? Right. For me, um, when it comes to, well, like I said, a lot of my books are urban, so I lived it. Mm-hmm. I still live it every day. So that part doesn't really require a lot of research for me because I, I, I mm-hmm. understand it. I have, you know, my I'm, I, I know the pulse of it, so I'm able to do it. Um, I try to avoid reading the same genre that I'm writing. So if I'm writing an urban book, I try not to read, read too many urban books. It's just like okay. I look at it like almost like musicians. You can listen to a rapper and tell that all he listened to was rap. I think mm-hmm. it's the same thing with books sometimes. If all you read is one genre, when people read, though, you know, you run the risk of people reading your book, and it may be good, but you also haven't done anything different. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's a good story. It's entertaining. It was great. But, you know, you have to decide what type of author you want to be. You know, do you want to be an author that, yeah, sold a lot of copies because that's what was hot that summer? Or mm-hmm. do you want to write books that stand out in people's minds where five years from now they'll pick it back up and like, you know what, I want to read that again because it was something different. They, they got something different. I think sometimes the only way to do that is to read different genres because you do learn from other authors in different mm-hmm. genres. You do. You don't necessarily you really it's not, Yeah, it's not necessarily copying, but there may be something that, style-wise, you know, that you pick up on and you're like, well, I could use that. So I feel the more influences, the merrier, because the world, I always was like growing up, and you try to tell your friends, like, listen, the world is bigger than the block. You know what I mean? This 10-block mm-hmm. radius that we grew up on, the world is bigger than that. And if mm-hmm. we have access to it, then why not explore it? I think your life is, life is better that way. Like, I don't want to just eat pizza mm-hmm. every day. New York pizza is great. <laughs> right. But I don't want to eat it every day. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. Mhm. You want to mix it up some. You want to mix it up some. And that way, you know, is you know, you, you add different elements to your stories. And now I think the ultimate success for an author when you know that you're successful is when your name is on a cover. And the cover doesn't mm-hmm. even matter. As long as they see your mm-hmm. name, they know they have to read that. I think that's mm-hmm. when you're winning. You know what I mean? Because if you look at the the big authors that you know bestsellers, 
sometimes the titles for their books are smaller than their names. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? On the cover, mm-hmm. because why? They know and one word title. Yeah, listen, you could put Stephen King on a blank cover, it's gonna sell. <laughs> you and know put, what I mean? So, just put just put like zoo and look at look yeah. where it is now. <laughs> that yeah, that's uh-huh. it. So I think, you know, that's to me that's the ultimate goal is that when people trust you to know that even if it's something that they might necessarily might not necessarily have picked up or a genre that they you know, they don't they aren't particularly interested in or it's not really their thing. But they know that mm-hmm. you, in particular, you will entertain them, and they will love it. Mm-hmm. So that's, I think, that's the ultimate point. Absolutely, I'm glad mm-hmm. that you brought that up. We want to shout out Victoria Christopher Murray and happy birthday to Rashonda Tate Billingsley. Um, you know, Victoria always talks about when your book has legs, when your story has legs, um, but your career. And your name can have legs beyond mm-hmm. what you do and what you write. Absolutely. And it doesn't mean that you don't always have to make yourself relevant. Mm-hmm. Omar Tyree says all the time, he has he still makes himself relevant. He has no problem introducing himself because he wants to get mm-hmm. the newer crowd to get to know what the older crowd knows. And I yeah. think that once your book gets legs, Mm-hmm. And your characters and the type of writing and that word of mouth starts flowing, your name right. has legs. Then at that point, it don't matter. Like you said, what's on the cover because your name has legs. Everybody That's knows it. that what you write is great. And Victoria, I brought her up because she wrote um, a book. I think she said it was her first book. And mm-hmm. she went back and she read, listened to the audiobook and she did her own critique of herself for her her book. She was like, it was temptation. And she was like, this is the worst book ever. And that, I mean, we took one of her classes and she was really going in on herself. She said, I could not believe this. And <laughs> the thing is that readers loved it. Right. And the thing with right. the reader is if they are into your pen, if your pen has drawn them in, they don't look at those things that stick out to those people that aren't really into it. Like when right. you are reading, you are into the story, it could be five typos you won't notice because you, well, you're already it. playing that story back in your head. You watching right. the movie. Right, that's it. Because in, in, in actuality, that's how I, you know, that's how I write. Like I'm very disorganized. Like I don't outline. I'm, I, I think I read where George R. R. Martin said there are two types of authors, architects and gardeners. I would mm-hmm. fall somewhere probably more like a gardener where I plant, I plant seeds. I know what I want the book to be about. I know the overall theme. And then what I'll do is I'll just randomly write scenes and have a notebook. And then as I'm working on it, well, all right, I know this is how I want the book to open. This is how I want it to start because that's very important. It's how a book starts. That's probably the, when it, the beginning and the end is sometimes the most difficult because you, in those first few pages, you have to to grab the reader. You have to. Because there's so many books that come out, they read the first couple pages and they're not into it. That's it. No, there's not for me. On That's to the next. True. So I'll make sure I try my best to get the beginning to be engaging and interesting. And then, you know, as I'm moving along, I'll be in the shower and a scene will come to me and I'm like, yeah, 
that would be fly if this happened, or I want this to happen, or this would be deep, or this is important, or this is powerful. And I don't write it in any particular order. I just write the things. And then as I go, I just cross them off in my book. So I, I kind of operate in chaos. But it, I know it's like a messy room. Somebody else will come in and say, how do you know what anything is? You know. That's kind of how I am. Mm. Wow. That's interesting, Keith, because this is Tony. You know, since we met you at the Atlanta Kickback, and for those right. that are not familiar with it, make sure you follow Book Chip 556 Book Chips because they have another one coming up. But since we met you at the Atlanta Kickback, I have been following you, and I have been reading snippets that you dropped. And if okay. you talk about not being organized, let me tell you, those snippets that you have shared with us on your page have been more organized than, than, than most. And it's interesting that you say that. But with us, Misha and I, you know, we are so busy here in, in our right. camp between Misha publishing, me editing our show and promoting right. that sometimes we don't necessarily have the time to read as much as we used for this. Right. But if I was to pick up one of your books that encompasses everything relating to Keith Kareem Williams, what book would you suggest I start with as well as our listening audience to get a full flavor of what your pen is all about? Mm. I would say it's a toss-up between if I wanted to say, like, I guess I, I, I guess I would say if you wanted to get one that was more um, mainstream, it's not mm-hmm. any particular genre. It's more, I would say, either the first or the second, Water Flows on the Doors, or I would really tell you to start with Open Spaces. Open Spaces, I think, even early on in my career, like Water Flows on the Doors came out, and to this day I have people that just read it, and they're like, mm-hmm. wow, and that was 2004 that I wrote that book. So it's mm-hmm. still, I'm proud to say that, you know, you can pick it up today and it's still relevant. And because at the core of all stories that are good, right, or great or whatever have you, I think the books that become classic, what they all have in common, no matter the genre, is that there's a basic human element that if you're able to describe it and to make people feel what you're writing about, then mm-hmm. those stories stand the test of time. Science fiction, you could write science fiction and it could be, you could put all of the bells and whistles that you want, the spaceships, aliens, whatever it is, you know, the vampires, it doesn't matter. It's the humanity of the story that people relate to and why they love it. It's just like the Twilight books. The Twilight books were popular not just because it was a vampire story, a vampire's werewolf. That's not, I don't really think that's the soul of the story. I think the soul of the story mm-hmm. is just about the girl, Bella, and her being torn between two young men that she loved. Mm-hmm. One was, might have been a werewolf, one was a vampire, but it's the humanity of the story that gets people, that, draw, that draws people in. Whether it's street lit, you might be writing about a drug dealer, a murderer, whatever, what have you, but it's, if you can make that character human, and relatable, somebody that people either fall in love with or they hate, that's what will make that story a classic. It's not the who, what, when, where. Anybody could write, well, they did this and they did that and they did this and they did that. Anybody can do that. It's the mm-hmm. character story that you tell that people feel that they either laugh, cry, like just like you said before in the last segment, feel hate. Oh, I hated this person. Good, that mm-hmm. writer did their job. You're supposed to hate that person. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So 
Um, but yeah, I would say and, open space. And when you think mm-hmm. about it, a lot of times the ones that people hate, that's the one that mm-hmm. gives the book legs faster. Because the, the more Look. they hate them, the more you write about them. The more you, the right. more drama you put them in. It's like, well, I can't stand her. She always doing something. Y'all see, that's that you talking about her. That's the whole yeah. purpose. That's the whole purpose. Your, your hero is only interested if their opposite is just as interested. That's why Batman mm-hmm. would always be more popular than Superman. Why? Because the Joker. The Joker is, a, is an amazing character on the opposite of Batman. You know <laughs> he what I mean? Is. And, he, and he makes the movies. And, you know, when you really think about it, I mean, I, just in case y'all ain't know, I am a comic book nerd. But I told somebody <laughs> the other day that Batman is a lunatic tool. And they was like, what do you mean Batman is a hero? I said, Batman is insane. I said, this guy is a billionaire, right, that dresses up as a bat. <laughs> And runs and fights crime. Like, he's a billionaire. There's a, mil- there's a billion ways he could fight crime. He could be a politician. He could, You know what I mean? This guy chooses to dress up like a bat and fight crime against villains <laughs> with pop- He's insane. That's why the Joker always looks at him like, who's the crazy one here? You know what I mean? So, <laughs> wow. That's wow. just my favorite. You know, you... Uh, we got to have you on again because I am, I am like filled with so many questions for you. And I have been so excited to have you on the show, but you were talking about uh, the the book. And I think the book that you were just talking to us a little bit a while ago is the book that you shared with a woman that had said she wasn't familiar with your pen, but you gave her the book and told her she would become a favorite of yours. And I'm, I'm thinking that was the book you were talking about. Open this was a minute ago right. that you, Probably on your on your um on my book. page, but yeah, on your page, yeah. I follow you. I see what you're doing over there. Thank you. <laughs> but um, I have a fun question, and at least he he has me so discombobulated. But I'm gonna give him three fun questions in one because okay. I'm interested to see what he comes up with. But um, okay. your fun question is: I want you to be a comic book character. Okay. Who is a kingpin drug dealer who is also okay. an animal. Okay. What would you be? Oh, so I get the hardest question. <laughs> You've given me so much to just draw right. from, and those are the right, three things so, that stick out. <laughs> all right. So you, so you want me to be a comic book character that's uh-huh. a kingpin drug dealer, and what uh-huh. type of animal? Right. Okay. <laughs> well, the animal. I'm going to just No, say you have to be course. all in one. It has all to be three? one. Okay. Okay. I have yes. to be all in one? Yes. All right. All right. Wow. And he has to be an animal, too? Can I make it up? Can I just make it up? Or you you can make be... it up. Okay. No, all make right. it up. It's even better. Well, in terms of animal, if I was the animal superhero, I would have to say the animal aspect, I would say a, I would choose a goat. And I would a say goat. a goat, yeah, because it's stubborn and. It's short-footed. And I'm a Capricorn, too, so I like goats. Yeah, Me I would say too. Goals. Yeah, you're a Capricorn? <laughs> hey. I yeah. know that was the reason we were vibing. I'm Aries. <laughs> I'm special. Oh, I love Aries, too. My kid's mother is Aries. <laughs> Aries are awesome, too. But, um, yes, okay, they are. I would be, I would be a, um, I would be a goat. And superhero... Ah, uh, superhero. 
See, Honeybee took my. She said Wolverine. I like Wolverine, so that's like my favorite character. But <laughs> I will go with um, the Hulk. I like the Hulk. Mm, me too. Yeah. I like him. Yeah, because I'm. Now, how you know, would you wrap that all in one, though? And now the drug this, dealer. This, this, right. And now the drug dealer. Um, I would have to say the Kingpin from Daredevil. I always like Kingpin. If I had to be a drug dealer. So, mm. yeah. Okay. Give me a question. That's a good question. I think that's the hardest question anybody has asked. <laughs> that was a good one, though. You like that one? That was a good one. Yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> that's the hardest one that's awesome. anybody ever asked. And you came through. Look at that. You you came through with flying colors. <laughs> Thank you. I try. <laughs> Love it. We love it. We appreciate you coming and kicking with us here in the chat room. We want you to shout out all of your social media, your newest, hottest read, and where everybody can catch you at your next event. All right. Um, well, the next event I'm going to be at is the Building Relationships Around Books. They're having a reader, their fifth annual Reader's Retreat. That is, I believe it's October 5th through the 7th. Um, I've posted it. It's on my Facebook wall. It's on my Instagram. My Facebook, you can find me, Keith Perrin Williams. Um, my Instagram and my Twitter and my Snapchat is the same. It's all at Reem After Dark, R E E M After Dark, all one word. Um, mm-hmm. What else? Oh, the best place to really keep up with me and to see what I'm working on and to read snippets and excerpts and Everything else is probably my blog, which is reamafterdark.blogspot.com. Um, I post links to, the, to my book. I actually update that way more than my website because I like to look at the analytics on it, you know, to know how many people read what. And it's it's just a e- it's, it's that's just easier for me to work with, so I like that. Um, mm-hmm. My latest book is actually a novella, um, Slow Kiss of the Apocalypse. Which is oh. which serves as a prequel to a big urban dark fantasy book that I'm working on titled Cursed Immortals. So yeah, check out Slow Kiss of the Apocalypse. And if you like, just a, if you want something that's like a mixture of a little bit of everything that I'm really really good at, I would say mm-hmm. Death in the City because it's urban, it's dark, it's bloody, it's exciting, it's sexy. It's a little bit of everything, and um, I'm really proud of that book because from December till now, I don't think I've ever sold as many copies of any one particular book in that mm-hmm. span of time as I have with Death in the City. Mm-hmm. It could be a combination of people just finally paying attention. Like, yeah, this guy, he is pretty good. But, um, yeah, I would say that's another book, too. If you want to see what I'm really good at, that's a good book because it's pretty much an anthology of stories. It's just all the stories are written by me. So you have a little bit of everything mm-hmm. in that book also. So, yes. Yeah. Awesome. I had a great thank time. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. We enjoyed you as well. We, <laughs> we appreciate you for coming to kick it with us here in the chat room. You know you are always welcome back anytime, Keith. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, you have a great but, evening, and you know, make sure okay. you come back again. And um, I'm looking at that cover of Death in the City, and that that looks kind of Brooklynish. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. It is, it is Brooklynish. 
<laughs> but I have I have a lot of um a lot of surprises in it. Like I've had dudes hit me up like, Really dude? Like, you know, so right now I'm working on loving the city because I broke a lot of hearts and death in the city. So, you know, Uh-oh. now I'm gonna I have to play nice and do the sexy stuff. Well, so Well we're gonna have to have you back on to talk about that. <laughs> yes. The sexy stuff. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Keith, and we appreciate you listening to the whole show. It sounds yeah. like you've been listening to our previous guests, and we hope you enjoyed yeah, yeah. those as well. I did. It was. I love the interview. I love the interview. I, I was sitting here blushing when you when you told her to be the candy. I was like, yes, I want to hear this. <laughs> <laughs> you never know what's gonna come out of the ladies' last chat. It, it had me nervous, y'all. Y'all, I, y'all had me nervous. Like, oh man, I'm scared of what they're gonna ask me. All right. <laughs> no, no, don't See, be nervous. It's the first time. It's your first time. We we be All gentle. Right. The next time, ain't no telling. I don't know. All right, so next <laughs> next time I gotta be ready. <laughs> well, Keith, once again, thank you so much for joining Leisha and I. We really appreciate you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to take talk with us tonight. Thank you for having me. <laughs> You're so welcome. You enjoy the rest of your evening. Uh, you too. Good night. Okay, good night. Leash, I had a great time tonight, girl. We had some fun. I know. We had so much fun. We appreciate everybody that's tuned in to Let's Chat. We had a great time. If you missed our show, no worries. Just go back and hit our archives up here on blogtalk.com or on iTunes. We appreciate everyone, and we will see you guys next week. Good night, everybody.